The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, Future Stars Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how's the week going for you? Oh, it's going good, man. Getting ready to get that little uh, vacay that I haven't had in a long time. You know, that five-week uh, hiatus. We still got two and a half weeks, so I get to go on my trip and still have 10, 11 days before I get back. So uh, I'm, I really am starting to feel kind of rejuvenated. You know, I still got no fucking air conditioning and, of course, Fourth of July. So that's the Monday. You know, then the Tuesday when everybody's open, you know, the pool guy, oh, you know, we should have your uh, pool resurfaced uh, on Friday. Yeah, of course, he didn't show up. So still no pool, still no refrigerator, still no upstairs uh, air conditioning. But, you know, at least it is downstairs and it's nice and cool. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sweating it right now. I can sweat it later when it becomes a bitch about, you know, getting my new air conditioning unit and getting my refund from the uh, the compressor. But I did get good news today. I opened the email. A guy who bought four fucking front row tickets to the show, and I remember marking them off, put in a chargeback for 240 bucks, saying it was unauthorized. Unauthorized, you had to go on our website. You had to find the tickets you want. You had to click it, then you're going to tell me that that person was able to come in with a receipt so I could mark your name off when you told me who you were. And then it was like, oh, with the seller protection, you're good, your money's put back in. But that caused an issue because when I sent money, I was in the negative at the time because I had pulled money out from the show. So now when it's negative on PayPal, because when there's a charge back, they automatically put it on hold but take it from your account. So now when I send money to the trainers and stuff like that, all of a sudden it has to go through an e-check, which ends up taking six business days. So it kind of fucks up the whole business. So despite all that, I'm pretty relaxed. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's that's something that I've – I don't (laughs) think I've ever asked you about – how has it been in terms of the, you know, when you started, was it straight up cash? Were you taking online orders? What's the progression been for that aspect of technology catching up to, you know, being able to have people do something like that where you can go through PayPal and then, you know, do something as weird as a chargeback? Um, does it affect you in terms of, is it simpler nowadays to, you know, just have people buy tickets or is it always 
really been the walk-up tickets is probably the best aspect of outside of people being able to get the front rows early. Um, like what, what is that box office sense? Because I don't think you've ever kind of talked how the box office works for you. Well, when we first started in 2009, I would have a table at the fucking door, you know, and people would come in, uh, I guess we were able to offer tickets. I think we started like on Eventbrite or something. Okay, and we'd yeah. have a few tickets there, but 90% of the people. And, and you got to remember when we first started with the more localized guys, they would sell tickets. So, you know, I remember Kid Vegas selling like 28 tickets or something for a silver, his wow. first Silver Nugget show. You know, so a lot of people would present me the money that way. But anybody else generally bought them at the door and it was cash 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 you know sam's town was the same way you know i try to institute a policy that was good and bad it was good because all our regulars would be like okay reserve three front row because we were worried about just getting as many people in as we can so right. we reserve we reserve we reserve then when we got more and more popular and the demand for front row became more and more it'd be really irritating when somebody's like oh yeah put a four on hold and then they just wouldn't show up at the show well we didn't sell those tickets and at 30 40 bucks a pop if 10 or 12 people don't show up that's 500 bucks and when we're running shows earlier on 500 bucks makes the difference between either losing money or breaking even or making a few dollars you know so uh, I remember we ended up doing it. We had one issue because at Samstown, they always had the box office. Right. So people who bought the day of generally bought through the box office. But our regulars, I always had them buy through me because I, I would make them save the LET tax. I'd worry about that later, another 9%, whatever. I always try to give the the customer uh, you know, the, the best deal possible, especially if you came to a lot of our shows. So George Furman would walk up. And he'd have a party at 12. If George didn't show up, I'd be fucked, you know. But 99% of the time, George would show up and he'd bring, you know, hey, he didn't have 12. He had nine. Well, what am I going to do, bitch? You know, the guy the guy brought in $500 for me. You, yeah. you know what I mean? So you counted on those regulars. And I literally have a book that started back in the day. I probably have six books that every time somebody reserved or bought a ticket, I would write it in the book, the name of the show, No Escape, When Stars Collide. You know, you could see the list of names and how different they are. You know, that's how I found Nick Xander's name by his name, Nicholas Chez, by seeing him buying tickets for Mecca's. And right. I'd be like, oh, shit, that's the guy who just signed up. You know, and he was buying front row and the VIP meet and greets and whatever it was. You know, and you see a lot of people who've been around a very, very long time, yeah. you know, and nowadays it is much easier because I'm still the guy generally running the door at the bigger shows. Rocky right. usually handles the ones at the school show because I might be running around, you know, doing commentary, whatever, you know, so I still do it here and there. But at those shows, it's a much longer list. And I've changed the way we do it because I would put Matt Michael. Bob Smith, George Furman. So if I wasn't running it, now 
one of our students or Rocky has to go through that whole list because it's not in any order. It's just whoever <laughs> bought the tickets. Right. So early on, my wife used to run the door at Samstown and it would take forever. You know, we'd have the bracelets and she'd have to go through the list. I knew the list. You know, we'd have even at the last show we just did, you know, we ended up with a 85, 90 front row. Well, 60 of them I already knew. So it was just like, boom, 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 boom. And, right. and you can get through the line a lot quicker because that's always been the hassle. Because right. most people at a seven o'clock show, doors open at six, unless they're doing the meet and greet, they're showing up at 645, 650. We've had times, you know, in panic mode, like, what the fuck? This show, nobody's fucking here. There's like 140 people, and it's like quarter two. And then yeah. all of a sudden, 250 people show up in the, in the last 15 minutes. But now remember how difficult it is to get them through the door. And you yeah. got a lot of dumb kids that don't understand how things work. And it's like, dude, it's the same way we do it for 13 years. I understand you've only been here for eight shows, but it's still the same for the eight shows. You know? And, you know, it becomes a difficult process. I put names reserved for George Furman because he has a party of seven. Now, if a party of seven walks in normally and he comes in late, now you can't. Now I got to ask everybody to move to get right. seven in one spot because they want to sit together. I always did the general admission front row. Sit wherever you want because FSW, you know, we pitch it because it's true. It's a family, you know. Right. People have become lifelong friends. You know, I see they go play wrestling trivia. And seven of those people that go didn't even know each other before they went to FSW. Right. That's how they became friends. Now they even go to the other shows together, which I should be banning. But other than that, you know, these people want to sit together. So why make people have to move? You know, and occasionally right. we do because there's a, there's a one, there's a two. People want to sit together. Hey, can you do me a favor? Like, that's my hands-on shit that I do. You know, right. imagine Vince McMahon like, hey, ne hey, sir, can you move? I'm trying to get uh, the party of three to sit together here. But again, they don't have to because they have the seating, you know, set up that way. Right. But even like GCW does it that way now in Vegas because it's just easier to do. You know, yeah. who cares where they sit? You know, some people like Lee Hansen have the preference. They want to sit in the front row by the ramp. That way right. they can high-five the wrestlers. You know, Garth likes to be on that side over there. George likes to be where you're looking at the hard cam. He gets to be seen on TV, you know, and everybody has their little pet peeves of where they want. Hey, could you sit me with this person? So, but by now, 80% of, I'll go further than that. 90% of the people who have either reserved or bought tickets have bought the tickets. So when I go down there, I have 150 tickets, for example. Well, 140 have been paid for. So I might need George, and there might be a couple of people that are going to pay later. But even the regulars now will send the money PayPal or Cash App. So now it's just mark off, mark off, mark off. You know, when you have, when you have 70 transactions instead of 10, well, the line's going to move a lot quicker. So it makes things easier because people are like, hey, you want me to pay at the door? I'm like, well, if you could pay up front, I, I, it would be appreciated yeah. just because it, it makes 
a smoother transition, especially if like, oh shit, there's an issue with match three. Uh, you need to go handle it. And then one of the kids are there, you know, blind leading the blind, at least if their names now I put on a list or in alphabetical order. So, right. but when you're working Microsoft Word pad or Word, whatever it is, it's alphabetical order of the first letter of the first name you write. So right. Joe DeFalco is under J and not D. Right. So everybody, everybody's used to, hey, what's your name? And instead, they, they, they're always pitching their last name. And it's like, I need your first name. I kind of need your last name, but I, I really need the first name. You know what I'm saying? So. Yeah. And, and, it, it's definitely uh, tr- progressed. Immensely. Crazily, you know, yeah. at, at the FSW Revolver show, uh, we did it that way. Sammy did it a way that I, I kind of thought was really interesting. He has a place, I think it's called TicketBud.com. Okay. So what they do is they put everything formatted for you. So everybody in the front row, you just roll up on the phone, boom, and they have a check-in policy. But the problem with that is I was going to do it. The problem is PayPal has its fees. Well, TicketBud has its fees. And once I collect, it doesn't just send it to the bank account. Nope. Sends it to PayPal. Where now I got to pay the PayPal fees to get the money. Like, why am I, why would I want to pay twice? But, you know, dealing with stuff and hearing people, hey, the website's down. Hey, this, that, the other thing. And the way it's positioned and hard to find sometimes. The TicketBud might be the easiest way. You know, I got I got to look into Eventbrite and see if they've changed because that's what GCW and Black Label does. Right. And if it's just a mark off and they send it right to the bank, it's probably easier than PayPal because it's giving you those that, that added bonus of you could just work it on your phone and right. it'll say front row, second row, GA. Oh, you're in GA. What's your name? Boom, marked off. He's there, and, yeah. and that probably will. Like Sammy was flying through, speeding up the process. Like, just give me your name. You know? Yeah, that's I I haven't heard of uh, Ticket Buds, so that's very interesting. Uh, then there know. was one uh, they wanted us to use it the Silver Nugget because it's generally the Spanish one, and it's Ticket something, and it's like, dude, uh, it's all in Spanish. Like, we're not going to get GCW fans to go to that website to buy the tickets. They okayed it. Uh, they should be happy with the numbers they got from GCW. So, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I suppose to uh, because I I believe Silver Nuggets, you know, uh, they they run some of those uh, some of the Spanish concerts and stuff. And I'm I sure it's no longer the Silver Nugget Event Center, by the way. Oh, really? What are the, what, is, oh they got a sponsor, right? No, the. The, the company that owns Silver Nugget, Fifth Street Gaming, they also own, I guess, a website where you can bet geared toward the Spanish community. And it's oh, wow. called Jefe Bet. So it's now the Jefe Bet Silver Nugget Event Center. <laughs> so I got I got to add that logo now to the flyer. So. Well, and, but I can't uh, find it online. 
So if you go to the Silver Nugget website, and I okay. suggest you don't, because A, it has their old phone number that doesn't work <laughs> to book a, an event. You can go online, go on the website, and go on Google and type in Silver Nugget Casino, and it'll give you the same number that doesn't exist anymore. It's like, how do you guys do business? I literally had to go down there because there was no way to contact anybody. <laughs> Mind-boggling. No, it, it's, you know, and when you look at um, – when you look at the atmosphere in there, it really is kind of that, uh, that, you know, off, 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 off the strip casino feel to it where it, you know, you just everywhere you turn, it's just like, you kind of want to cry a little bit. It's just a sad I, feeling. I call the event center. It reminds me, it has that 70s old-time boxing scene, which is yeah. cool. It's old school, man. The room is great. They, they upgraded it enough where we can add some things, but the lighting's there, and, you know, it holds a lot of people. The sound quality is good. You know, the echo's great. Yeah. And, you know, for some people, oh, they – I knew a couple of people were a little weary about going, oh, I heard not to. It's like, relax. You know, there's more shootings on the strip than on the silver nugget. Okay. So it's like, you know, knock on wood, everything's been great. You know, we've run a bunch of shows there. They, you know, we brought in people. You know, GCW was happy. They're, they're looking at a couple of dates in September and or October. <coughs> so... You know, we're talking about a possible double header, you know, kind of like when Revolver and GCW did the show. Uh, you know, we're talking with Revolver about doing something in October. We're talking with GCW, who own LA Fights, about doing something the next day uh, at the FSW Arena. So, you know, batteries have been charged up, man. We got new champions. We got new stories. So, you know, there, there's some good things happening. We got Davey Richards supposed to come back in August for survival of the fittest. And, you know, sky's the limit, man. We're looking, you know, I'm talking with Cross, trying to get him back for a double shot Mecca, uh, natural born killers. Mm. So, you know, bottom line is with so much other stuff going on, wrestling wise in town, even though we're distanced, from everybody else, we need to be further distanced. We need to be, oh, well, we checked out a different show. We'll wait a couple weeks to go to the FSW show. No, we need them to be like, I ain't missing this FSW show for nothing. Right. So, and, you know, so far I'm preparing a big time show from when we return, New Beginnings, Jay Vidal, the new uh, No Limits champion. You know, and he's going to go wrestle again against Matt Vandegrift, number four. You know, each one better than the last. You know, yeah. TBD and Death Proof, they've never had a uh, a one-on-one -on -one tag match. Uh, it's always been triple threats and, and, and four ways and things like that. So let's see how TBD, you know, you know, fares, yeah. you know, against them. 
and Hammerstone's going to be on hand. And, you know, I'm talking with a big name uh, coming in uh, for that one. I'm also looking at the possibility of all our champions defend against former champions. So almost a night of champions. You know, not saying that Gregory Sharp, he won't be wrestling Remy Marcel again, still uh, recovering from the, the Brit, from the, whatever you the call cinder it. Cinder block. Cinder block to the head. Yeah. So uh, Gregory Sharp will probably not wrestle anybody who was a former Nevada State champion, but he will wrestle somebody uh, most likely who has been a former No Limits tag or heavyweight champion. So we got that on the back burner, and then the uh, and then we got Hammerstone, which I'm pretty sure him and uh, Ice Williams may not be finished just yet. But we're not looking at a rematch right now for Hammerstone and Ice Williams. Uh, as I said, uh, we're looking at a guy who currently wrestles for New Japan and Ring of Honor, or had for Ring of Honor, and. Uh, we're looking at him as a possibility. Well, I'll say who it is. Uh, Tyler Bateman, who we, sure. we've been trying to, you know, negotiate a, you know, a, a bunch of dates with. You know, he hadn't appeared for a long time. Had a great match. Beat Cutthroat Cody. And, you know, there's always that Bateman funny bone match on the horizon that we want. Yes. But uh, I, I think for a FSW arena show, uh, I think you can't do much better than Hammerstone versus Bateman. I think that'd be a, a, a real hard hitting, you know, yeah. as, you know, Cody and Bateman were hard hitting, you know, uh, I don't, I don't believe Hammerstone and, and Bateman would be any less. No, that's a lot of beef in the ring. Um, you know, to, to just look at uh, the forcefulness that uh, Bateman's got such a nice style uh, that I think are just, It'd be something fresh for uh, Hammerstone too, you know. So. Yeah, and then you know, you know, Nick Xander and Clutch. Nick uh, pulled out the victory out of nowhere and then got smashed, you know, by Clutch. And you know, hospital adver- adversity. Adversity is a uh, an interesting thing. It's like you know, not that the crowd turned on Nick Xander, but the crowd. Got a little bit behind Clutch after the attack. You know, <coughs> they were pretty much behind Nick Xander for the match. Right. And then after he got laid out, you know, I heard some people chanting one more time. Yeah. So. <coughs> but it, 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 goes to, it goes to show, too, that, um, you know, and, and it's it's – was said with Greg Sharp last week uh, about him winning the title, his first title in FSW after all these years. Um, you got to figure, uh, you know, Clutch, uh, Sugar Brown, uh, you know, Remy, of course, uh, Cody, Jacob Austin Young. There's such an attachment to them, not only as wrestlers, but I think as as people in a sense now too, because of the fact that. They knew them only as wrestlers way back when, before the social media, you know, really ramped up. And now it's, you know, 
getting to talk to them, getting to know them, getting to watch social media on a constant basis. It just seems like there's so much more appreciation of the guys who have been there for a long time. Not that it undercuts, you know, Nick Xander or any of the younger guys. It's just, I think that when you have a fan base so loyal, you're going to see that there is, I think, a little bit of uh, almost kind of, you know, a question in, in the minds of the younger guys of, you know, well, wait a minute, I gave it my all and you're chanting for this guy to do this to me again. It just, it, it feeds that fire a little bit. And uh, for a guy like Nick Xander, who can go, you know, <laughs> up to Northern California or Portland or, you know, Arizona, and you got the heartbeat thing going and he's, he's catching on like that. Um, it seems like, you know, not necessarily heal, but, you know, a little, uh, a little no respect. I think you're going to have a lot more of those no respect stories, you know. Well, you know, it, it's having that the chip on that shoulder. You got to understand, yeah. when we started in 2009, there had not been any local wrestling for close to 10 years, maybe yeah. more. You know, when Rush was running, he was running out of a school and using student showcases and never sold a ticket to an event where the masses could buy it. Now, yeah, sure, you had WWE in town and, and things like that, but there was never no localized show. So in 2009, when people were introduced to the Remy Marcells and the Cutthroat Cody's and the Kenny Kings, and as time progressed, we added people. Because Sugar Brown, you know, I always forget, he was on the very first show. You know, when we talk about originals, you forget because he was Tommy Danger and he was working in a student showcase match for Legacy's promotion, right. who was letting us use the ring at the time. So, and then Clutch and Jacob Austin Young moved from, you know, Arizona. So they got adopted as, as local guys and they've been around for nine, ten years. So the local wrestling fan who's been around a long time, they know all these people. So regardless, when Remy Marcel does something shitty, they still like Remy Marcel. Right. You know, it's no different than Jay Vidal with the low blow. Some people are oh, aghast about it. And, you know, Jay takes it personally because people cheered Matt Vandegrift. Well, in 2022, it, it, it's a lot more of a gray area of baby face and heel. Because right. at this point, I would have to say Matt Vandegrift is a, is a baby face. But he turned and destroyed Damian Drake, which led to an Iron Man match. But because he's so well-liked and he does really cool stuff that he's so respected, he basically turned baby face without doing anything. Like, yeah. he didn't do anything heroic. He just wrestled a good match that people were like, oh, shit, this was a really good match. You know, the same thing happened to a guy like Eli Everfly, who who was very sporadic. And then all yeah. of a sudden, he had a run of, like, two or three really, really good matches. And people were like, oh, shit, man, this guy's awesome. And then they started cheering him, even though he presents himself as a heel to the Vegas fans. Yeah. Because you're never going to change. I grew up 
And I hated Hulk Hogan. And I hated Bob Backlund. But I loved Stan Hansen. And I loved Rick Rude. And the Macho Man was my favorite. And the Heel Heart Foundation was the best faction ever. And I would always love those guys. Yeah. And it's funny that I think back to that because I always say, you know, when when people bring their friends and family and they're supposed to be heels, like, can you get them not to cheer you? You know what I mean? It's like it kind of <laughs> defeats the purpose. You know, you're supposed to be a heel. And again, now that you can convince a lot of people, you know, you wouldn't know Ice Williams was part of the most hated group in wrestling in FSW yep. against Hammerstone because, again, Hammerstone had a huge amount of fan favorites cheering for him. But between Braxton and Ice getting their family and friends to show up, there was an overwhelming amount of support for, you know, one of the dirtiest players we got yeah. because there is boys. And they like them. So, you know, you can never tell people what they're going to do. You can, you can kind of, like, encourage. Like, hey, you know, it would really work good for him if, you know, he got booed out of the building. You know, you know what I'm saying? But wrestling fans are wrestling fans. You know, yeah. look at Roman Reigns. You know, he went from the most hated baby face to now – the most hated but probably respected wrestler in WWE ever because playing that role has really, you know, brought him up. It was like people didn't want to buy him as a baby face. You know, well, Shawn Michaels is a guy I hated as a baby face because you knew if he saw you in the hotel, he'd be like, eh, fuck off. You yeah. know, he's just that guy that doesn't seem like, he would be a really nice guy to hang out with a whole bunch of wrestling fans. You know what I mean? Yeah. That he, that that prickiness that you see in his character is really how he is. Right. You, you know what I mean? So he portrays a heel, turned it up a little bit as this cocky bastard that was, to me, more hated. And then as he got older and older and older, same thing with Ric Flair, dirtiest player in the game, 15, 20 years, you, you got to respect the, the, the ability and everything they've done in the business. And now there's really nothing you can do to make them you know, poor bad guys. Well, and it's, it's very interesting, too, because I think um, – there is that sense, like, talking about a guy like Roman Reigns, it goes from, oh, my God, we got to see this guy again, to even though I don't like him because he's a heel and he's beating the shit out of, you know, the guy I'm, I, I really like, at the same time, he's an attraction now. When you buy your tickets for a show – you're hoping to see him on the show as opposed to, you know, just getting it pushed down your throat that, oh, he's going to be here. Uh, here's the interviews, you know, et cetera. Cena, Cena was, you know, one of the biggest examples of that where people got so tired of John Cena because everything was promotion and always, you know, Cena, Cena and Hunter had. And they the never would pull the trigger on him being a heel. 
despite the fact that, you know, he probably should have. But it isn't only that with Roman Reigns. Now, look what Roman Reigns turning heel has done for the Usos. They arguably have become main event guys. And as good as they were before, they were just another tag team that was probably better than a lot of other tag teams. But now they're looked at as icons, and now they present them as one of the greatest tag teams of all time. But they're no different than they were a couple of years back. But they're presented that way now. So now you could put the Usos in a main event match, even in singles, when uh, one of them was hurt and they put him in the main event program, that it became believable. So, as they say, you create new stars. It's kind of like the faction. Faction was was over. They They were inexperienced guys that annoyed people. Putting Ice Williams into that basically established them as now a unit to be reckoned with, you know, to now. And again, it isn't only because of Ice Williams. Obviously, Fresco, you know, has improved 50-fold from when he was first starting, where he just wasn't very good. He was inexperienced. He had to to learn and he had to get better. And Watson and, and even Braxton to where, you know, I would keep him away from matches because I didn't think he was worth the shit, you know, and he he improved. He got better that, you know, he was always over enough. So he was always in a role. But in most cases, it was he was in a match because it was a six man tag or Fresco and Watson with the tag team and Braxton became the manager, not in normal factions. You got three guys. One is a tag team, and one's a singles guy. But Braxton wasn't able to go about it and, and be in a position to succeed, so we didn't really keep that option open, and he wrestled some random matches. But like I said, it was more of the six-man. But now putting Ice Williams into that puts now almost like The Rock going into the nation. You know what I mean? Right. It was like the, you had a lot of great – you had players – that were, you know, capable of doing good things, but nobody thought of D'Lo Brown, the Godfather, you know, or or Farouk as a heavyweight champion. When they adopted right. The Rock and now he sat in as time progressed, you could see that this guy had a good chance to be the face of the company. Yeah, and, and also one of the interesting things, like one of the names you didn't mention is Mark Henry in that. And if you think about where Mark Henry was in terms of why they brought him in because of, you know, the lifting and, and being a strong man and being an Olympic guy. And they kind of, you know, did the same thing, kind of pushed him. He wasn't really ready. And then it was Dilo who brought out, you know, that relationship with those two that really elevated Mark to kind of that next level and then later on, the guy becomes a world champion. Right, which, which was, was much later on. And I'll be honest, yeah. you know, Mark Henry to me is was not a heavyweight champion. But yeah. when he got that run, you know, he really changed the whole way. Because, again, people also remember the times with May Young in the hand and, and a lot of stupid shit. And yeah. he was never presented seriously. And that's what I always say. 
You know, it's like it's hard to buy into Happy Corbin because it's a goof character who just came off a goof character. Yeah. You know, the lottery guy. And then he lost his money and it, it was presented as a goof. Like they've tried to make Madcap Moss. But first off, you have the guy's name Madcap. Well, get that that shouldn't be his name. You know, you look at him. You took him out of the outfit he was in, and you're like, oh, shit, this motherfucker is jacked. Like, but can he wrestle? There's a lot of guys like that. I forgot. I watched Money in the Bank because I was home, only reason. And I was like, oh, shit, I forgot all about Butch because I hadn't seen nothing. And Ridge Holland, you know, they made it seem like that there was no repercussions with the issues with Big E. There's but he has been nowhere to be seen uh, in a while. And I read the thing about Big E, which is, you know, truly a shame. He's only four months in, and they're like, well, we're going to be doing some scans at the one-year mark. It's like, fuck. Like, you know, poor guy is probably, you know, you know we, yeah. we hope he lives a great life because I don't think wrestling, being a wrestler, will happen again. And he was – you know, a guy who is extremely passionate and from what I saw, one of the most beloved guys in the locker room. Yeah. And, you know, to read that, you know, he feels better, but it's like we really haven't gotten updates about how he's doing as he walking, you know, all this other stuff. Everything's been kind of what he's put out that he feels good and that, you know, that's great. But, you know, they're not doing surgery, but we don't really know where he's at. But. All I know is it's four months in, and in eight months they're going to do some more scans. So that 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 doesn't seem like a, a, a great prognosis, right there. No, and especially that you know, you, you look at it, and it wasn't, it wasn't, um, <coughs> it, it just it was it was a freak accident. It, Holland just didn't get enough, you know, torque when he he made the throw and. These are the risks, you know, you, you obviously know that anyone steps in your ring is always taking that risk, and the guys know themselves. And, you know, thank God Big E is one of those guys who has that personality that it um, doesn't affect, you know, his overall presentation of himself as a positive human being. So, I mean, there, there could be very good things that come from it, too. Um and when you look at uh, gearing up for the 22nd, um, you talked a little bit about the faction. Have you ever had uh, the cash in the case, since we just talked money in the bank, has that ever been um, used in terms of putting it up uh, in matches? Could we possibly see Braxton having to defend that uh, to keep it? You know, everything's possible. Uh, Jacob Austin Young put it up against Cutthroat Cody and lost it. As yeah. I said, Jacob Austin Young, he's won the cash in the case twice, and he never cashed in. You know, the other time was Bryce Harrison returned, and we thought it was him, and then when he cashed in and uh, – beat, I believe, Brandon Gatson, who was the uh, No Limits champion at the time. It was 
Bryce Harrison who unmasked and got the one, two, three. So, yes, it has been done. Uh, can it be done again? Sure. You know, is Braxton a guy who is dumb enough to put it up? I would never put it up. Why would why would you put it up? You are a guy who hasn't had these opportunities. You know what I mean? It's like, what are you getting out of putting it up? Well, so I got a guaranteed title shot, and now I'm mad at uh, Shogun. Oh, I'm going to put it up against Shogun. Well, most people think Shogun should smash Braxton. Or Hero should smash Braxton. You know, Braxton would be the underdog in just about every match he'd be in in FSW. So, <laughs> if he puts it up, he's a bigger moron than I thought. The only the only thing I see, though, is that there has to be some natural conflict when you have a guy like Ice Williams who was arguably that close away from winning the championship with Amberstone. If let's say ice doesn't have another opportunity, well, wouldn't ice feel that, Hey man, it's within the faction and ice has a better chance than Braxton. He's proved it. Hey man, give the cash in case to me, or maybe we should wrestle for it. Just saying, you know, Ice is you a never pretty know. You know, Braxton kind of started the faction, and if Ice Williams wants to uh, threaten Braxton with expulsion, you know, because there's classic. Some... Mr. Classic's always been ready to take over that faction spot. I thought he was going to take it over from Watson not being around, but hey, you know, Ice Williams can threaten him. You know, well, there's... and. Tell there's them to put of, it on the line or you're out of here. But there's a lot of young guys who could fit into that that faction mold. Um, because if you look at them now, what's interesting is they've built themselves to all be these competitive guys who really have, you know, raised the game. But they don't have uh, necessarily a whipping boy anymore. And, you know, the, there's got to be a protege that at some point they have to, you know, feel would come in and be fresh blood for, for the gang. Every faction needs a Louis Spicoli NWO yes. character. Yes. You know, even though Ice Williams doesn't golf, he should get a lackey and bring golf clubs to the ring and make them carry him. <laughs> That's well, what you, I believe. You know... But it, it also what I like about pro wrestling in that sense is it goes back to like Gorgeous George, him having a guy who would literally carry the back of the you know the the tail end of the robe and wipe off the corner and spray the mist and do and it's like there there is a place for the lackeys and that's uh, Ice Williams is a perfect person for for something like that that's. I've never look, I've at, never Ricky, look at Ricky Tenacious. He should be he should be somebody's lackey, and he's probably had more lackeys than anybody. <laughs> you know, he has Brandon G. Uh, he tried to make Bodie his uh, protege. 
Uh, he had the other one. I oh, forgot yeah. his name. Oh uh, yeah, the uh, the tenacious and oh uh, uh, yeah. Because I always joked I was going to put exciting and tenacious and put Evan Daniels in there with him. But it was the other dude. Yeah. It was with the bandana. I forgot his name. Wow. Uh, Oh, man. It was Braven. It was. Right. It was Braven, but he had a nickname. Right. And I. Yeah, it was was something antinacious. And. And this wasn't very long ago. That's the sad, the sad yeah. thing. <laughs> um, you know, you, you've got the vacation coming up. Um, what are you looking forward to the most of, uh, you know, just being out of Vegas? Um, and uh, is there anything you've done research on in terms of any kind of uh, cuisines that you might be uh, taking part in? Well, where we're staying, there's like it's it's called Baja Mar, and I guess it's a nice spot in the Bahamas that it's its own entity. They have three hotels, and I guess there's like forty five restaurants Jesus. amongst there. So I was looking, there was activities you could swim with the fucking pigs. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, it was like a hundred and eighty bucks a person, and then I was looking at clips. And it was showing the fucking pigs like biting people and shit. <laughs> like, I, I I would rather swim with a dolphin than a pig that's gonna fucking bite me. The only incentive is if you can like have a a, a, a race with the pig, and if you beat him, you get to eat him at you the luau. Yes. Now, now that I could go for, that's worth the shot. I just it, it just conjures up my first thought was is like. Uh, you know the lobster tank when you're so you swim with the, the pig, and then you find the one that you really enjoy, and then you, that's yes. the one you select to have for dinner. You know, you you definitely want one with a good personality. You know. <laughs> oh man, uh, when you get back, um, what are some of the first things that you have to do then to? Uh, to get ready for the 22nd and ultimately then uh, start looking forward to survival of the fittest. Well, bottom line is I'm going for like four days. If you think I don't have my pad and my, you know, and my pen and putting together everything for the 22nd, uh, we also got one August 6th and then the survival of the fittest. So we got a couple shows to, you know, put certain things together that haven't, you know, written itself yet. You know, as we said, there's certain things, you know, that we just did at the anniversary show that kind of ended things, you know, obviously Gregory Sharp and Remy Marcel, it's time to go their own way. You know what I mean? They, you know, is Remy deserving of a title rematch again? Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? Right now, Greg Sharp's going to do his own thing. Uh, Nevada State champion. Uh, I got a call from a former champion who has held every belt but the Nevada State, and he was inquiring about some dates because he was interested in the possibility of uh, joining Remy Marcel as a Grand Slam champion. So, you know, that's not counting guys that we've talked with that were looking for July 22nd. 
a guy I like a lot out of the East Coast, Jared Diaz, trying to make his way out here more, uh, you know, to add to that no limits division. You know, Jay Vidal has a multitude of people that he can be facing down the line, and he's faced a lot of good guys. But, you know, you got guys like Damian Drake who were part of the tag division for a while that he's had some good success again recently. You know, there's another guy who it could be waiting in the wings for, for any title, yeah. you know. <clears throat> a guy like Braxton, he could try to cash in on a, a Jay Vidal or Vandegrift, depending on, you know, who's winning. Right. You know, right there, you know, Jay and Matt are one in one A. You know, you could flip-flop them, who's better, you know, one's got this, one's got that. But either one I'm proud to have as our No Limits champion, you know. Yeah. Uh, as many great matches as I could say – Matt Vandegriff had, well, so did Jay Vidal, you yeah. know. And both of them, what's funny is they both were in a tag team that they wanted to be in pretty much, that circumstances forced them to be in the singles divisions, and they skyrocketed to that opportunity. You know, Jay Vidal's partner disappeared, and Matt Vandegriff's partner got injured. And Matt, at that point, was so enamored and, and so focused on what he was doing in the singles division, beating guys like TJP. Well, going back to the tag team wasn't high on his list. And yeah. as we saw, you know, issues became, you know, and they, they may be friends today, but, but they sure weren't when, when, when Matt attacked him. You know, yeah. so there's always that part of Matt Vandegrift that will stand out. So, you know, talk to my uh, good buddy, Sean Devari, who let me know his brother just moved to town. So, oh, really? yeah, we're, we're supposed to maybe have a conversation, hopefully uh, before uh, I, I head out in a couple days. So, That's you know, we'll see what's up in that situation. And then a guy like Davey Richards, he's a guy – who can win any championship. Hey, who's to say uh, he wouldn't bring in uh, Eddie Edwards and the Wolves? Uh, I know they're working for a revolver, and, you know, maybe in October we can get the Wolves to to work uh, the FSW revolver show. So, again, it's like our younger guys, man, they got to hustle. They got to they gotta earn and deserve that spot, and every time they get the opportunity, they got to go out there and get the job done. Because there's another guy waiting right in the wings who's as good and looking to prove that they're better, you know, and, and that's the best part. Uh, and, and, and that's why I enjoy, you know, the Mecca shows, the bigger casino shows more than, say, a Future Shock. Future Shock is, is the younger guys. You know it's going to be totally hit or miss. You know, a lot of these younger guys are going to crash and burn. And there's some that are going to stand out. You know, the Oliver dude, Oliver Canada, he had a couple matches, and, and he excelled. And yeah. he proved that, hey, you know what? He's a guy, when an opportunity arises, he may not be ready for a big show, but if something happens, he's a guy that we think we could count on to do that. 
And right now there's, there's not a lot of those guys, you know, the, the, the Brett, the threat Suavecitos and Xander, you know, that came along right during the pandemic, they've, they've established themselves and they got spots, but it's the crew after that, that has really, you know, struggled a little bit. You know, there's a lot of guys that are still around, but they're in, they're out, you know, and until I see them on a more frequent basis, you know, then out of mind, out of sight, bro. It's just the way it is. You know, when I got guys like Jared Diaz hitting me up from Florida, like, bro, hey, give me some dates, man. I'm going to try to get out of there, get out there as, as often as I can. And then you got a local guy and they don't help set up. They don't help at the other show. We have an anniversary show and I don't see them all weekend. Like, why would I focus on giving you a match when I gave you three high profile matches over the last three months? And then you don't even have the decency to like, hey, I can't make it. B, uh, you know, I'm choosing somebody else over you. Great. Well, you made your choice. Don't begrudge me. That's yeah. all. So it's like, I'm going to use people that want to be there. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I got 30, 40 guys that want 22 spots. Right. So it, it, it's a lot easier to weed out 18 guys when seven of them aren't around at all. You know? Yeah. And I get it. I know they've been training for a couple of years and they think they know everything because they get booked on other shows, but they're nowhere near ready. You know what I mean? And yeah. it is what it is. You know, I go back to that. It's the same thing every week. You know, I have a core group of guys. So there's a, there's a minute amount of spots for people on even the high octane shows because this is a marquee show, man. We got, we got the heavy, we got all the champions there, right? You know, we we got Viva Van's gonna be there, you know. We got the faction, we got Alexander, we got Clutch. How many spots could legitimately be available for you when almost all our top guys are there? Right. Right. You it, know, I can't do a battle royal every show just to appease people. <laughs> Although, although you you probably could do a ten uh, man scramble every show just to well, well you yourself. know we could you know MK will be back on the twenty second and he has not one but two new proteges that he will be uh, introducing. Uh, you know he wasn't at the anniversary show. I think he was at the uh, the convention of USFL fans, which was him and like four other people, but. You know, he will be here, and he was scouting the anniversary show, and he feels there's a couple of uh, untapped talents that would uh, be perfect for the MK Army. So, you know, we will see. Did you ever, ever, ever imagine that MK would be uh, the guy who would groom talent to go up and uh, – be discovered by Tully Blanchard one day and become part of Tully's. <laughs> I just, well, you know, you know, I'm taking credit for Toa, so yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll go. 
because Toa was not brought in by MK, so everybody knows. Toa Leona was brought in by Joe DeFalco. He found another diamond in the rough, even though Toa came up to me. and I just want to introduce myself. I'm like, yeah, good meeting you. And then I saw his work, and I was like, oh, shit. Hey, by the way, I wanted to get you some dates that I forgot to mention when I first just met you and just saw some big dude. Uh, and by the way, Toa, you know that agreement we had, that 5% uh, finder's fee that I agreement, get. Agreement, forget it, man. I can't even get them on the Joe rate for uh, a school show. <laughs> Bastard. Hey, man, he's, he's got those twins on the way, which I, I think are very, no, very... They're, they're... Stop using the twins. They've already been born. I'm just saying, you know. He's got that AEW contract. He's not even giving me the he's not even giving me the Cepha rate before he left. <laughs> well, yeah, can can you imagine what the uh, Cepha rate is now because uh, Solo is looking pretty damn impressive in that uh, NXT 2.0. I'm I'm very very impressed with what he's been doing. You know, I've been I've been reading some of the rumors about a new addition to the Bloodline, you know, because initially we heard you know, similar to the faction that maybe adding a woman to the faction wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, we yeah. haven't seen uh, Maserati in a very long time. I know she's been banged up, had some injuries, was looking to come back, but got hurt again. Uh, I just saw her post. She's going to be in Trinidad and Tobago. Damn. You know, unless she's trying out for the bobsled team, I'm assuming she's wrestling. Uh, yeah, and I think I think she's actually she's wrestling this weekend too in Vegas for uh, for another show. So oh oh yeah, that's right. I won't yeah. be here for that. My guy Tom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're using our ring, our crew. You know, we have a good relationship with them. Uh, yeah. Jenny Santana, she's the uh, the host. I saw they got Charlie Haas coming out. Yeah, Charlie Haas will be doing, I think, some uh, guest commentary, I think, with uh, uh, the crew doing commentary there, which is... Uh, I hope Cody don't show up and attack him after the match that they had in Texas, so... <laughs> well, it's 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 fascinating, though, to see, you know, just, uh, just how much everyone's kind of grown, and I think Maserati's on top of that list... Um, Plus, Tom lowered prices a little bit, at least. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so it's going to be a bargain for our guy Glenn. He's going to, you know, he's only going to have to pay three hundred for front rows instead of five. Well, I know last night they uh, they ran a commercial during uh, Raw, so really, uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully get some eyes, you know. Uh, Hope, uh, hopefully, the ninety five percent of the Raw watchers. Uh, we'll watch it before the show actually airs. Yeah. <laughs> um, final thoughts as uh, we uh, come to an end this week and uh, you head out of town. Uh, I'm just shocked at how uh, mellow I feel right now. It's weird. You know, I haven't felt like that in a long time. It's just like I hit some golf balls yesterday for the first time in years. And, you know, I used to play that game all the time, man. When I lived in New York, when when spring hit, man, we were out there, me and my boy Bobby, 
You know, he went from being a DJ to the uh, the head of the Yorktown Police Department. Wow. Never, never, never thought that one was going to be coming. And wow. we used to play golf three, four days a week, man. And then I came out here, and I haven't got to play the Wind Golf Course, and I used to play Wild Horse a lot. And I like the uh, Desert Rose was a good one. It was cheap, and it was it was a fun golf place. And I don't know if it was because I got you know I had the heart issues. But for some reason, I just stopped playing. And it was like, that was like the most surreal thing. You go on a golf course. I had no issues going out by myself and just playing. And I would like to play like as late as possible. Like they'd have the twilight rate and you could go out where it was a little cooler in the summer. And you go out at 5, 530 where there's nobody on the golf course. Because I hate waiting for those slow fucks who they suck to begin with, but they still take an hour to take a shitty shot. And it's like, you know, and it was weird. So I pull out my, I, I accidentally left my driver in the car, my air hammer. Okay. And I only had my three wood. I brought like five clubs and I pull out my three wood. And all of a sudden the first two shots I hit were like down the middle. You know, they weren't huge. But they were, you know, 200 yards. I was like, wow, this is fucking great. Then I started using some of the irons off the, the off the grass. And it was like, forget about it. If there was people around, I would have hit some of them. So, you know, it's definitely a work in progress. But, it, you know, I love golf. You know, I, I think the wrestling took over the love. And, sure. and now I got to kind of balance it again and, you know, get back on the golf course. Because I saw... Uh, they had a nice one, you know, a Jack Nicholas golf course, but it was like, it's 250 bucks, but Hey, they got some aeration going on. So it's only 160. Uh, but then you got to rent clubs. So if they charge you 150 for that. I'm out. But, you know, I went by wild horse yesterday to hit the balls and they have a twilight rate after one o'clock at like $29. So I, I definitely think, uh, and I had a good week, uh, on the hot roll. So, uh, Ooh. you know, everything's been working. I made, I, I won some money. That's what happened yesterday. I won money early. And I'm like, you know what? Not going to blow any shit back. Came home, uh, watched my Mets on Apple TV. I hit a three team parlay. Thank you. And right. I was like, it's like six o'clock. The wife's working. So she, at 1130 at night. So she's still asleep. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go hit some fucking golf balls. And I'm glad I did. Well, that's perfect. Uh, because, you know, one of the things I think that you you hit the the nail there uh, is when something that you're passionate about kind of overtakes your time and your focus. It's nice to find that that thing that you kind of left behind because it never goes away. It's just that you got to eventually revisit it. And uh, well, now I, now I need to get back to my Madden football. You know, I, I was a beast on those games for years, man. But time, you know, you get older and time just takes away a lot of things that you go on. You got a family, you got a job, you know, you got to gamble. You know, those, those are time consuming activities, you know, even like poker. You know, I love playing yeah. online poker. But because of online poker, I can't go to a casino and play because it's too fucking slow. Yeah. It's like, dude, you get these old timers that sit at the uh, fucking table and they'll just sit there with 200 bucks and they'll sit there all day 
and they'll kind of play most hands and they're slow. And all of a sudden I get 80 hands an hour online and I'm getting nine sitting there. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Boring as shit. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, the, the thing is though, too, like you said, um, you have those priorities and when you look at it, um, Overall, I think that if you if you play those hands right and you are able to mix them all together, it just makes things more fulfilling. And it's cool to think that, you know, here you had a good week and you're heading into your vacation. And um, now the, the only thing is when you get back, just... Uh, don't uh, don't become a stress ball. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's it's easier to said than done. I don't know if it's uh, I'm stressed because I don't really get stressed per se. You know, I don't let a lot of things bother me, but I guess things may build up to them when you finally explode. But you know, there's a, there's a huge saying at the uh, at the FSW training. Uh, facility about a hill to die on that Remy Marcel kind of, well, you know, cause he's a guy who always had ideas and talking with other guys. And he's like, well, you know, I got this thought, you know, it's not a hill to die on, but what do you think about? And, you know, you got between Remy, Cody, myself, you know, Cody's the guy who, has a lot of hills to die on. And it's like, dude, you need to chill a little bit. You know what I mean, bro? You, you got to relax. And as the years have progressed, Remy has become more mellower about those hills to die on. Because, again, he was more involved. As Cody yeah. got more involved, he became, you know, and, and again, I, I take the passionate route. I'll say, hey, you know, people are passionate, things like that. But you know what? you only live once. And if you do live more than once, you're never going to know about it. So you only live once. And I'm not going to go about my life being a miserable fuck because young guys, wrestlers, whatever are irritating the shit out of me. It's like, it's a lot easier to just not use these people and have around you that you like. Oh, it looks like opportunities. There we go. Um, and we just lost. We just lost that last part, Joe. What was the last uh, part of that sentence? You know, I was talking about people being grateful for their opportunities. When you see yeah. that, it's easier to do it. You know, the negativity. I always say, you know, when the positive outweighs the negative, I'm willing to accept certain issues, attitudes. We talk about, you know, Danny from the Suavecitos. They'll get stupid sometimes and shit like that. But there are points to where he's just too much. And it's like, you know what? I need to get a break from you, bro. It's like you say things, you know, I don't want to hear you all the time. Like, dude, you, you got a couple of years in the business. Shut the fuck up. You know what I mean? You, you're really talented for a guy in the business two years. But I could... But you're not really talented for a guy in the business 15 years. 
So I can use those guys too. You're not doing me a favor. I'm doing you a favor. You know, be gr be grateful and accept that. You're not always going to like the position you got, but be happy you got a fucking position. You know, and you know, that's why I was like, you know what? We did our anniversary show. We got through it. You know, I was very uh, nervous about what the turnout was going to be after that whole GCW AEW weekend. And we ended up with more walk-ups than we had in a long time. We had more people at the anniversary show than we did at a star-studded FSW revolver show. And we could yeah. make all the excuses in the world why. But our, our loyal local fan base were more interested in seeing, you know, Ice Williams and Hammerstone than they were seeing Mike Bailey and Matt Vandegrift. Now, as good as that match was, you know, most of the front row was, you know, 50-50 our fans and the people in town for that right. weekend. Well, at the anniversary show, it was 95% of our local fans and then some scattering of people that know of us from Arizona and California and whatever that came in. You know, some people come all the way in just to, to, to see the show, which is, you know, kudos to our guys who make that happen. Because on this anniversary show, there was no Danny Limelight. There was no TJ Perkins. There was no EC3. There was no Juicy and Toko Uso. There was just local talent yeah. that is born and bred FSW. 90% of the guys trained by us or trainers for us, you know. Yeah. And we, we drew an extremely good crowd, and it was time to take that break. And like I said, I feel I – feel like a weight's been lifted off my shoulder. We got through the anniversary, had a good time. And now it's time to refocus and get us back. Because with so much going on, sometimes, you know, you, you forget the reason why you do things. Yeah. And that's a good point to uh, wrap it up today. Everyone, uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, remember, the uh, next show is coming up on July 22nd at the FSW Arena. And uh, you're going to see all the championships on the line, and uh, should be a should be a, a really spectacular, uh, fun show. So if uh, you know you're local, you're in town, uh, try to make it out and uh, spread the word, and uh, maybe we can uh, have an overflow at the uh, FSW Arena for the show on the 22nd. Yeah, and I haven't gotten verification. Uh, I haven't talked to him, but, uh, you know, after the issue at the anniversary show, uh, we're trying to lock it in. But we do believe that we will have Brett the Threat versus Cal Jack in a submissions match at the FSW Arena. So this card is going to be as good or even better than the anniversary show. So, yeah. you know, at a few dollars less. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, so. full, eh, maybe screw it. Maybe I drive full price. <laughs> nah, tickets are thirty and twenty, so they're they're, they're cheaper than the arena, sh uh, the uh, silver nugget. Because again, you know the cost of the overhead of the arena, we, we we try to offset those costs a little bit. 
uh, and we and we try to give back when we can at the FSW Arena shows because uh, we can afford to. So looking forward to it. So you know we got the two title matches announced. It looks like Cal Jack and uh, Brett the Threat a, a submissions match that was supposed to be one of the that was actually going to be the semi main of the anniversary show. So you know. The card is definitely loaded. Get your tickets, fswvegas.com. There you go, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week.